listening to Tapped In, Buckham County's Half Hour to Empower on WRES 100.7 FM in Asheville. Listen up and get tapped into local important resources, information, and topics. Learn more about the topics of today's show at buncombecounty.org. Okay, it's time to get tapped in. Hello, hello, hello to all those who are listening to my voice. This is tapped in and I am one of your hosts Zakia Bell Rogers and my dear Leonard Jones is on a vacation but today we have a very special guest his name is Fletcher Tove from Buckham County um, Safety Preparedness and Security Officer as we all know disasters can happen anytime any place to anyone therefore we want to educate our listeners on how to be ready for the unexpected so let's talk about preparedness and and ideas that we would like to refer to as Buckham County, make a plan, build a kit, and be informed. Welcome, Fletcher. Hey, thank you, Zakia. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Fletch Tove. I work for the county in the preparedness and recovery role. Uh, been with the county for a while. I used to work in public health, so you might recognize me. Um, I helped with a lot of the information sharing during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm an Asheville native. I'm glad to be continuing to work to help make the community stronger and more resilient. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, staying in Asheville, Mr. Asheville native, because um, we know that sometimes we don't, uh, we leave and we don't come back. So in your words or definition, what does preparedness mean? Yeah. So preparedness means that the community, both at the government level and at an individual household level, are ready to respond quickly and safely to any sort of disaster. This means being able to anticipate what types of disasters a community is most likely to face, thinking about how those specific disasters may disrupt normal life, then having plans for how to respond and minimize those dangers and the disruptions that occur. Um, and then having a strategy to how do we get back to normal after that disaster has passed. And I think a lot of times when we think about disasters, it's when in the, when we're in the middle of it. And so preparing sounds like a great job or a great thing to do. But, you know, keeping up with it and making sure that the stuff that you put in your, your, your basket or your box hasn't expired is also a good thing as well. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, a lot of times we do make the mistake of not really thinking through things until we're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And that's really the hardest time to come up with a plan or to find resources because you're either you're going to be so busy dealing with the disaster itself or, you know, those resources are going to be scarce and people are going to be busy with other things. So it's really important to take a little bit of time beforehand, think through, make a plan, have that discussion with your family. So if it ever does happen, you're already ready. Mm-hmm. So what type of disasters are we likely to see in Western North Carolina? Yeah, so generally we break disasters down into two categories. There's natural disasters and man-made. Mm-hmm. So in this region, uh, we don't really, we're lucky because we don't usually have hur- big hurricane winds but we do get disrupted from the w- rain from hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And um, those, they could cause landslides, um, cause dams and levees to fail. And as you know, we're also surrounded by big, large forests. So sometimes we could have big, large-scale forest fires. And that can be dangerous just because of the fire themselves, but mm-hmm. also the change in air quality. So we're concerned about that. And also things like winter ice storms knocking out power and causing some of these mountain roads and communities to be inaccessible. And then we also have more man-made disasters, and that's things like maybe having some hazardous material spills off the highway or big industrial fires like a big building catching fire, 
And also, unfortunately, you know, there's always a possibility of some kind of terrorism attack. Yeah, so that's always, you know, all these things are a possibility. Okay, so I think it was 2016 we had the forest fire Mm -hmm. that was, I mean, had the entire city gray. But that was pretty um, big. Like, how would you prepare for something like that? So it really, part of that also depends on where you live. And that's Mm -hmm. why you really got to do assessment on your individual community. Um, For some people more closer to the city, that might, the fire itself might not be a concern. But if you're in some of the more rural areas of Mm -hmm. the county, you know, the actual fire lines and um, if you're close to woods, that might be more of a concern physically from the fire. But a big concern about the fire is also the air quality. Mm Because as you, if you're here, you remember the ash and the quality went really down and just general heat. So um, that's the kind of thing where we consider wearing wearing masks, just respirators, just like we did during the pandemic to, mm-hmm. for, for a couple of days or weeks just to control, especially if you have a history of respiratory problems. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing, thinking ahead, like if we know we're getting forest fires, um, making sure you have some of those because, you know, those can be scarce. And if you wait till after the disaster happens, it might be hard to get your hands on some of those respirators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it, when in doubt pack it out yeah. you know, get it in your box you know so um what should we think about being here in, uh, in western Carolina, in western north carolina carolina around preparedness yeah so i always tell people there, there's three phases of this and three things everybody can do to be better prepared um one is having plans put together for you and your household and your family before the disaster uh you should put together a small little preparedness kit for your home and you also should know how to stay informed and up to date during a disaster. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about making up plans beforehand, some people start thinking like, I'm never really going to get together with my family and like ride down that plane and look at maps and get into the details. But it really isn't, doesn't have to be that involved. It could be as simple as just a conversation with your family and neighbors um, about what you would do during specific incidents. So for example, um, if you could just like over dinner one night or with your household, just take a couple of topics and have a discussion would be a good start. The kind of things you can just talk about is, uh, you know, do you guys have a first aid kit in the house and where is it? Um, do you guys have a fire extinguisher and mm-hmm. where is that? Um, say there was an event that happened and your family wasn't together. It's like say some of your family's outside the house and you couldn't get home right away. Do you know, do you guys have a meeting place outside the home? If you had to evacuate your home, like do you meet on the corner of the neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Is there some place you have friends you go to where you know everyone's going to meet up at? And then also, like, if you can't get a hold of a family member and there's, like, a citywide loss of power or something and the mm-hmm. phones aren't working, like, how would – do you have a person who could help you? Like, I contact – emergency contact plan so you know if things aren't normal, how are you going to get a hold of your family members? Mm-hmm. So just simple conversations like that can help you be more prepared. And then the second step was putting together a kit. And that's also can be simpler than you think. A uh, basic kit could just be a spare backpack with a few things inside. Now, you could put in a first aid kit, some basic medications, flashlights, candles, uh, copies of important paperwork maybe, emergency blankets, hand-powered radio, some snacks, things like that. The basic idea is just if you have to bunker down in your house for a day or two, or if you have to leave the house very quickly, you have everything together, you know where it is, you can just grab it, and you don't have to spend time during a disaster Mm -hmm. figuring it out. And then that last step, we talked about how do you stay informed during a disaster. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it, during a lot of these things, major communications aren't affected. So you always have internet, your cell phone, you know, radio like that. But sometimes during significant events, we could lose power. Internet's going to go out. Cell phones are going to be either blocked or um, over encumbered. So we, we need to know 
How can you receive and share information when, when that happens? And a lot of times, if you remember a lot of us growing up, you had to, you had all your best friends' numbers memorized. Yeah. Maybe you had your some other businesses memorized in your head. But we don't really do that anymore because of no. cell phones. But it's really important to take some time in your most important numbers, your your neighbors, your closest contacts, maybe if you have kids, their their family house numbers their, of, their, of their friends, but also like your vets, your pharmacist, your primary care doctor. It's a good idea to have their numbers written down physically somewhere. You don't always need it, but that way, in the case of disaster, and you can put it in that emergency kit you made. If you lose internet, you can't look it up. You have it there if you need to get a hold of somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good thing you could do. And uh, so those three steps, uh, planning ahead with your family, just making it, having some easy conversations, putting together a really simple disaster kit, and then knowing how you're going to communicate and receive communications. And the radio is always a good way. If you get a little hand-cranked radio, so you don't have to worry about power batteries. In a big disaster, we're going to be going to put putting a lot of information out over the radio. You know, people um, always wondered why I had like a um, one of those grills, the little box grills mm-hmm. that you can get at Walmart for like $15 and a bag of charcoal. Yeah. Well, because one time our power went out in the middle of the winter and it was a couple of days and we had to cook food on this grill and I made chicken pot pie. <laughs> I made all kind of things and I fed my neighbors as well because there were and my neighbors to my left are elderly and then my neighbors to my right were two young women. And so my husband and I, we made sure everybody ate, you know, we had water, all those things. But, you know, something as simple as a way to prepare food. A can opener, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has like a can opener, but some of them are electric and that's not going to work if the power is out. So you need an old school can opener and just like little things that we, you know, we take for granted because we think everything is like going to be okay. Um, I think about what I can't remember what year that was. It was like 2004 when we had the big flood mm-hmm. and like the schools were shut down. You couldn't drink the water. And all of those things and how everybody was like, well, the government should be doing something. They are, they're assessing the situation first. And that's why it's it's best for us to be prepared on our end so that when they do step in and can help and do the things and get to us, you know, it, it's like a, a, a bridge to the other side. What we do is the bridge and they're the other side. We're bridging each other together. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, when a disaster happens, um, the recommendation is that you be able to be independent for 72 hours. Mm-hmm. So basically three days. And that's worst case scenario because those disaster emergency responders, they're going to be very busy. Oh yeah. And, um, they're going to, once they start responding, they're going to work down from the most severe and helping the most in need mm-hmm. and then work their way down. And sometimes you might be without power and you might be without water, but you're still not really the most in need in the community. So it might take them a while to get to you. And that's why things like having the extra water, having a way to prepare meals is so important to think about beforehand. Because it, in a really big disaster, it might be a day or two before you get your power back on or mm-hmm. you get responders to come out to your community. Yeah. So it's important to have battery packs always charged and all those things. Um, extra medication, your prescriptions filled, because you just don't know mm-hmm. when something's going to happen. Um What considerations or recommendations should we consider regarding a community response to a disaster? 
Yeah, well, like we were just talking about, in a large disaster, those response teams are going to be extremely busy, and they're going to have their own set of priorities, and they're going to be working with the most needy communities and households first. So depending on what situation is specific to your community, um, it may be you know a couple of days before mm-hmm. you get that response. And I really liked what you brought up earlier when you were saying like you were reaching out to your neighbors who are elderly and maybe didn't have the same resources. And that's a really good thing. If you have some more um, means and resources than maybe some of your neighbors who are either elderly or maybe just have some limitations, um, what a great way to reach out and make the community stronger. Like mm-hmm. if you know the power's out, just checking on them, maybe making sure they have heat. Um, they making sure they got food if, they, if it comes to that. But that's a really great way just to empower the community, make sure you guys are um, working with each other. And then, again, just, you know, have that plan in place beforehand, having simple disaster kits and knowing how you're going to communicate. Yeah, and so I have a fireplace in my house, mm-hmm. a gas fireplace. And so when we're out power, and this is when my bonus children were younger, we would cut that on and make everybody go in that room. Mm-hmm. And we would only use one bathroom. That was the one that was closest to the um, the fireplace and all of that. And just, you know, having that plan of, you know, coloring books, puzzles, mm-hmm. things to keep your kids, books to read, things to keep your kids involved. Yes, and yeah. entertained. Because if not, it's going to be a long time. Yeah. With a couple hours without power can be very long with some anxious kids. Oh, my goodness. It, it can be devastating. Um, what would you suggest around preparing for thunderstorms? It's July, and afternoon thunderstorms pop up fast and quickly. Yeah, we've seen, uh, you know, just these last two weeks, we've seen some intense thunderstorms, mm-hmm. some intense lightning, trees falling down and stuff. And it can come very fast this time of year, just really quick, nice day in the morning, then in the afternoon. Last Big night. old thunderstorm, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, the first thing is you got to take the threat of lightning seriously. Like you don't hear about it much, but it can be dangerous. So if you're outside in any exposed space and you see a thunderstorm rolling in or a lightning storm, or maybe in the summer, you know, you're out in a pool, you need to go find cover and get inside and let that lightning pass because it is serious. The second thing is to understand how dangerous flash floods and landslides are. Mm-hmm. So when we have these huge thunderstorms in the afternoon, you know, as that builds up, and especially now when the water table is so high anyway, you know, flash f- flooding is real and landslides are real. Uh, flooding is actually the second leading cause of death due to weather-related disasters. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you can swim, yeah, yeah, people need to understand that the move, that water moves fast. It moves fast, and it's got. I mean, there's a lot of water. It's got a lot of weight behind it, mm-hmm. and um, you know. It only takes between 6 to 20 inches of flowing water to knock a person down or float a car. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot what a lot of people underestimate. Um, either thinking they can walk across something that's maybe knee-deep, mm-hmm. but if it's moving, there's a lot of pressure behind there. The same thing with a car. You know, you might look at the, some of these roads that are kind of flooded and think, oh, I've got a bigger vehicle. I could d- just drive through this. But um, it doesn't take much to kind of lift those wheels and turn the vehicle, and then you're stranded. And mm-hmm. we, unfortunately, we see that every time we have flooding here. So, Or the road could be washed out, yeah. and you can't tell. And then you're in bigger trouble than you thought you were. Yeah, so it's important to understand that um, with flooding is um, if you see a road flooded, turn around and find another way or just mm-hmm. have to wait. Uh, and, and obviously, the, if you see a little bit, you can make some decisions. But if you're unsure, that's a good indicator that's probably too much mm-hmm. water on the road. Um, one other thing about flood water safety is that flood water, sometimes when the street's flooded, it might look like it's fun to go take some pictures or, you know, take a little boat out there. Just it's a different environment. Engage with it. And that's fine. But you got to understand that that flood water is very, very dirty water. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of runoff. There might be sewage. 
maybe all kinds of stuff mixed mm-hmm. up in it that normally isn't. So that don't think of that flood as re- flood water as recreational water. It's going to be very dirty, nasty water. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and then the last thing is just remember with all that water, not just flooding, but landslides can happen. And we've seen that recently with some roads um, being cut off, you know, sudden landslides. So if you're in a place where either a landslide has already occurred, don't attempt to walk around it. You know, don't you know, don't know about how stable it is afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then also on the roads, where blind curves and some of these mountain roads, or where things are looking a little iffy, um, be safe there because the landslides uh, occur fairly frequently around mm-hmm. here and quickly. Yeah. You know, um, and and you know we have to remind ourselves that you know. Um, we see stuff in movies and we get these grandiose ideas of doing what we see in movies. Mm-hmm. No, you cannot um, prevent these things. And no, you can't just gun your car and gun it and get across. Yeah, That's just not what you need to do. So be safe first. Mm-hmm. Respect the flood water. Re- respect the landslides. And, you know, respect life. Don't just... You know, go out there. Yeah, because also if you're if you're the one you know trying to ford that flooded road and you get stuck or you get stuck in a landslide, then the emergency responders are going to have to time spend time coming to get you, and they're mm-hmm. not you know working on other the places where maybe they're needed as well. Mm-hmm. Or they may not know you're there, right? And you you're just stuck there, mm-hmm. and so that, that'd be a terrible way to spend your seventy three hours until they find you. Yeah. Um, can you explain code red system for emergency notification from Buckham County? Yeah. So when we talk about how important it is before disasters to have a plan, how you're going to communicate, um, code red is a really good system. It's a mass notification system uh, that the county hosts. And so you get real time alerts for significant events in, in the county. And it's really easy to sign up. All you need to do is take your phone and text BC alert to 99411. Okay. So BC alert, B-C-A-L-E-R-T to 99411. And, and you get a confirmation text back, and then you're signed up. And that's up-to-date, real information. Yeah, so it's not everything, but when a significant event mm-hmm. occurs, we'll push information, uh, links to resources, any, any other information you might need to know out on that. And so I, I noticed, you know, a lot of people, they have pets and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. What would you do with your pet um, if you had to evacuate and you couldn't bring your pet? What are yeah. some things that well, they would need to do? That's part of the planning process. Mm-hmm. And like when, when we talk about planning beforehand is you want to make sure you have, if you like, if you have a cat or a dog and maybe you do need to transport them, you have some kind of crate in case mm-hmm. you need to do that um, or at least somewhere to put them. And then you also want to make sure you have um, a plan like, you don't necessarily have to have extra food for them, but if mm-hmm. you have food, you need to know how you're going to transport that food along with them. Yeah. Especially if the pets have specific medications, you're going to need that. Um, but the, the county does have resources. If for whatever reason it was a big enough disaster, um, you couldn't travel with your pet. We do have um, transportable kennels and resources set up so they could be housed mm-hmm. temporarily while anyone's displaced. Mm-hmm. And so when people get prepared it's it's best to look at your life as a globe and spin mm-hmm. it around and look at it at the top bottom sides everything that's exactly right because you just never know and 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 until you're in that situation you do not know how many things are involved in your life mm-hmm. um so you can think about your kids your surroundings your pets your um family members neighbors. your neighbors all those things mm-hmm. um so to make sure that everyone is safe that's right. Yeah. So 
What other phone numbers and apps should people use or have access to for disasters? Yeah, so um, for social media, the county itself has a Facebook and a Twitter mm-hmm. account you can always follow, stay up to date with the latest information. Uh, definitely sign up for that those code red alerts. Um, and for more larger scale state stuff, North Carolina Emergency Management has a good Twitter account you can follow. If you just search on there for North Carolina Emergency Management, um, they'll have stuff like road closures and big events happening across the state. Mm-hmm. And then for local information about everything from COVID-19 response to those local disasters, you could go to bunkumready.org mm-hmm. for a variety of important information. That's bunkumready, R-E-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. Yes. Um, again, we want to give out those um, things. Um, text, <clears throat> sorry, text BC alert to 99411 if you want to receive code red um, messages. And also, um, there's BuncombeCountyReady.org. And, of course, our own webpage, BuncombeCounty.org as well. And also just keep, um, you know, track of the news and anything else, the Facebook pages, the Instagrams, all those things. Make sure that you have ways to check and get the right information out. So is there anything that you want to leave us with before we get ready to go? I, I think it's just to remember that a disaster can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. Normally here we think of them happening either, you know, the middle of hurricane season like September with big storms or maybe um, a winter storm like January, February. Mm-hmm. But stuff can happen all year round. So it's important to understand that. Go ahead, make a plan, have a little kit ready and know how you're going to communicate. Yeah. So there you go, folks. As we know, many things happen around us. Fires, floods, um, strong wind, trees may fall. It's always always best to have something in place. Um, So your preparedness kit is like insurance. You have car insurance. You have life insurance. You have... um, um, homeowner insurance for the just in case your preparedness bags are just that your insurance for the just in case this happens also remember that important documents should be stored in a fireproof case waterproof fireproof case um, so that you can have and if you have a deposit box um, you can also put duplicate um, documents in there as well um, I know as an adult, you can only get 10 copies of your social security card um, request. And so my thing is don't use up all 10, getting them because you can't misplace them. Get two and have one in one place and one in another place where they're both safely um, stored. Um, Thank you so much, Fletcher. You sure is there anything else you want to tell us? I don't think so. Just um, plan ahead, think ahead and make sure everyone's safe. That's right. Plan, think, and do. As we know, this is July. It is hot. It is rainy sometimes. And it it can get a little steamy. But let's make sure we have all the safety nets in place. Make sure you sign up for um, Code Red. And that's BC Alert. And you text that to 99411. And for other updates or how to prepare a preparedness kit you can go to buckumready.org um we 
do our best to bring the information to the community. And we hope that we are doing a great job with that. If you have any questions or any concerns, please contact and reach out to us. And um, if you need to um, ask questions or get information or just to tell us we're doing a great job. And till next time, we'll miss you. You'll miss us. We'll see you soon. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tapped In, Buncombe County's half hour to empower, here on WRES 100.7 FM in Nashville. Learn more about today's topics at buncombecounty.org. Otherwise, stay tuned for more great episodes coming up. Ha, 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 ha.